What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. guys five movies this one of your co-host chris gasberry this is frank pelican and this is the quick cage tonight frank which movie are we going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about national treasure okay that's one that i actually know <clears throat> although i've not seen it in like 15 years so you'll have to refresh me some you should know them all <laughs> yeah i've never seen is there's just one more right what there's two national treasures right okay yeah there's only one sequel okay right. i think they're i think they were doing, off to make a third or they're gonna make a third i don't know i, I think they're going to i think i saw on my feed or something at some point but yeah and it's I mean, the franchise that lends itself to sequels so i'm fine with that yeah sure i mean it's like a what like indiana jones light with like a twist kind of because i mean yeah I, yeah I mean, oh. Indiana Jones light in the sense that it lacks, like, most of the characterization and, like, charm of the Indiana Jones movies, but not to say it doesn't have its own charms. It's just very, um, I don't know. All right, so this, go ahead and just briefly, like, I don't think you need to go into a lot of detail unless there's key scenes you want to bring up, but um, yeah, at least, at least give people a little bit if they haven't seen it, like, what this movie's about. <clears throat> Uh, so Nick Cage is a historian that's kind of obsessed with um, this ancient Templar Mason mystery that his family's been like linked to for generations. Um, he's he's cracked it basically. Like, he finds the wreck of the ship, and then it leads to him kind of splitting ways with his sponsor who's a criminal and just wants to rob like the ancient Templar treasures and Nick Cage wants to find him and preserve him for all humanity. And then there's a madcap adventure race across like, I mean, really just across Washington DC and Philadelphia to like find these ancient treasures. But um, there's a love interest that's developed along the way. Nick Cage kind of has this pseudo I mean, I guess it's sort of a father-son relationship with this kid, but maybe, like, older brother, younger brother, because the kid's kind of, like, sort of an adult, too. But I think Nick Cage is supposed to be playing younger than he actually is because his love interest is definitely, like, a whole lot younger than him, which is par for the course in a Nick Cage movie. Right. Um, John Voight's dad, and John Voight's, like, just wants to be left alone and not deal with this conspiracy has ruined their lives and in the end you know they they end up finding the finding the treasure and him and harvey keitel who's plays like a fbi or cia i can't remember fbi yeah um agent like they have this heartfelt thing where nick cage like gives up the bad guys and gets away with basically breaking all these laws and kidnapping the declaration of independence so but there's some um there's some pretty decent action sequences in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
ultimately I felt like to crib from your lines, I think the movie was about 20 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. I felt like there was a couple of really long, they have all these sequences that are built to try and establish some sort of like believable romance between Nick Cage and um, Diane Kruger. Yeah. In the movie. And like, if you would have cut the romance angle out of it altogether, the movie wouldn't suffer like even a little bit. Like if mm-hmm. they were just colleagues or something, like there's no need to have. I, like, I, I think the romance is simply in there just to make it feel more adult. But I think they could have just like, I don't know, just played it straight and it would have been fine. Like, I think, I, I don't think their romance adds anything to the movie. And I think it just, except for like minutes of mm-hmm. runtime. But there's some really cool stuff like the um, the sequence where they're descending into like the the under under city of this church to find like the Templars um, treasure room. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember that scene. Him. Yeah. Some really cool stuff there. It's um very very Indiana Jones esque. Um, that's the other thing too is there's a lot of really small like action sequences that feel more like they're in the vein of I don't know like Michael Bay or Jerry Bruckheimer or something. As opposed to like Steven Steven Spielberg, and I kind of find those to be unnecessary too. Was Bay involved in this, Dino? Uh, he's a producer, I think, or he directed it. I can't remember. I saw his name on um John Turtletaub. Yeah, that's oh. it, John Turtletaub. Bruckheimer's yeah. producer. Cage Cage plays that character well. Um, like that's kind of his wheelhouse, really. And basically, this, what he tried to replicate for the majority of like two decades now mm-hmm. is this um, sort of weirdly like this obsessed, but still like oddly charming kind of geeky, cool guy that like gets the girl in the end and beats the bad guy. Like that's his new um, or that's kind of the thing that he he was for a long time. And he plays that same character in like several different movies to one extent or another, just different like genres, like Sorcerer's Apprentice and Pay the Ghost and Next and I don't know, like all those things. Like, so do you, do you see this then? This character in this movie is like a formation of a stock character then? Well, I think you just realize like what, or I, I think other people see. I think producers saw the success of the movie and were like, you know, here's a guy that'll do anything and we can just cast him. And I think that he probably gets paid pretty well for those kind of roles, so he just takes them. Right, so what I'm saying is, like, do you think, like, um, do you think it's a thing where it's, like, people are just, like, just do what you did in, in National Treasure, or do you think it's him kind oh, of, like... I, I don't think you're ever allowed to give Nick Cage, like, direction like that. <laughs> So do you think this is just a stock character then? Like this is the this is the uh, origin of this certain character that he just goes on to play for another fifteen years? Yeah, I I legit think that in to him he's like finding nuance in the same character. Hmm. Like I, because it's it's always different, you know. Like in Pay the Ghost, he's he's career obsessed, but then he's like tortured and learns the value of his family, which I guess is like the lesson that all of those characters learn. Because they're all, like, obsessed with something and then find, like, that love is somehow more valuable than treasure in every one of those movies or career or, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
National Treasure is a fun movie. Okay, so rate the movie. It's 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 a pastiche. Like I think calling it Indiana Jones is like selling Indiana Jones short because I think it (laughs) says like a lot more like like charm and historical. I called it it Indiana Jones Light. I called it Indiana Jones Light. Um, I I would say that it's a pastiche of Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible. Like, that's what the National Treasure movies are going for. Okay. Because it's not just about, like... With a, with a Dan... What's his name? Dan O'Brien? What the fuck's that guy's name? Uh, uh, fucking Templar fucker. Dan Brown. Oh, With a, right, with a right. Dan, Dan Brown, Brown twist, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because it's not, it's not just set in the the relics of the past. I mean, it's basically like high spy intrigue and I don't know. Yeah. But it's it's a it's it's a fun movie. It's fine. And it definitely okay. was fun. So yeah. rate the movie, rate Cage's performance. I I'd say they're both sevens out of tens. I mean okay. Cage is like is genuinely gives a good performance in this movie. Again, this is like this is his wheelhouse, you know I mean right. he's, now, I'm going to add one third one on to you this week. Rate the importance okay. of this movie to Cage's career. Oh, it's a 10 out of 10? Do you think this but is usually, one of the most important? Like, what, if you had to, like, kind of, like, quickly map out on the fly the important, the three most important movies of his career, is this one of them? Yeah. I would say this. I would say... Leaving Las Vegas, definitely. And then probably The Rock and then this in order. Okay, okay. What's the, give me the rationale there quickly, like for why why that. So Leaving Las Vegas takes him from being like a quirky but respected character actor mm-hmm. and makes him an Oscar nominee, like in capital letters, you know? Right. So like that allows him to basically make like any indie movie he wants and have it be somewhat respectable. And then The Rock establishes him as box office gold, like where he's a guy that could be a leading man in, you know, an, an action, like an adult action movie, kind of like sort of taking the mantle in some ways from like Bruce Willis at that point, which is a really weird thing to say. But I mean, like, mm-hmm. who do you really have? It was like Cage and Cruz, basically. Like that sort of tried to take up that mantle. Like, sure. of, like from the Bruce Willis... And Bruce Willis kind of took it from Schwarzenegger, Stallone, you know, um, mm-hmm. from that point. And so Cage kind of establishes himself there as being like like box office megastar, basically. And then National Treasure allows him to become the Disney box office megastar. Mm-hmm. So it lets him like get linked with children's movies and that he can do something that's appealing to adults, but is also like super family friendly. And then he parlays that, you know, into a bunch of movies from that point. So, yeah. I mean, I think those yeah. those, those three that movies makes, alone that like, makes perfect help, sense. Like establish like three phases of him as an actor that let him like basically do any movie he wants. Right. So, and yeah. if you think about it, that's all within the span of ten years, basically. Oh yeah, definitely it was ninety five. Yeah, ninety five is leaving Las Vegas, and two thousand and four is this movie. So yeah. Yeah, and The Rock, like, square in between in what, like, 96 yeah. or whatever? 96, 97, something, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
And then, I mean, aside from his poor business decisions, like Nick Cage could honestly probably be like one of the wealthiest men in Hollywood if he spent his money like wiser and invested it because he definitely he's got some kind of weird box office appeal. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I, and I continuously, like every day, I'm finding like new Nick Cage movies that I had no idea existed. So an odd foreign appeal. It's it's it's. It seems like foreign countries tend to like Nick Cage a lot from everything you said, like how they these movies get released over there first and stuff. Like, Yeah, it's so I think the part of that might be like whenever we do like on the actual podcast, we do like foreign films. And one of the things that I always say is that maybe you never know like what's lost in translation basically because you're watching, you know, you're reading a subtitle and you're not actually like hearing the actual language that the dialogue was written in sure um i think that maybe one of the reasons why somebody like nick cage is so popular is because he's just all facial expressions and kinetic energy so like Mm -hmm. you're still getting he's still incredibly like i don't know like physically descriptive of the emotion he's trying to express through dialogue is also coming out in like facial histrionics and like weird arm movements and shit and so like if you don't speak the language initially that that's kind of probably helpful you know to um to appreciate the performance so maybe that's one of the reasons why like he's an actor that just meshes well with with foreign productions yeah but all of his movies are filmed in english you know so and that's another thing too is that they all have to be subtitled so Right. It's not like he's like speaking another language and doing these movies. I mean, he's just yeah, probably doing a bump and going out there and uh, <laughs> knocking off like three scenes in a row. Right. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. That's 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 a pretty cogent um analysis of uh, of Cage's career. Maybe like the most like comprehensive, like or concise, maybe so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really starting to learn them pretty well. Like, I the right. more movies I watch, the more I kind of, I don't know. I, I don't, like, I mean, I definitely appreciate them. Like, as much as this is, like, a semi-joke, this, like, this portion <laughs> of our podcast, like, right. I really am starting to appreciate, like, his approach to different roles. And, like, you can kind of see, like, where he's trying to go from a characterization standpoint. It just doesn't always work because... You know, I mean, it's like a lot of times he's filming garbage movies. Sure, but um, I don't know. Like, I I I really appreciate him. Like, I don't know. Yeah. He's the true national treasure. So, <laughs> all right, I um, I'm not going to bring it up now, but at some point, I do want to talk about you talking about him like taking over the mail from Willis. Like, I think that's a really interesting um idea of like how it transitions from the 80s into the 90s and stuff like that and like why that change kind of happens is from who the action stars are but yeah. that's for a diff- that's for a different podcast at some point um <clears throat> okay any any other thoughts on cage no this week okay. um i think next week we're probably going to do um wind talkers because okay. I found that free somewhere. I think maybe it's on Netflix for free. Or no, it's on Prime for free, I think. Mm. I don't know. It's free somewhere. Um, right. So I'm going to watch that. I think one of the things you need to stop doing in your life is guessing where something is free. Probably, yeah. 
it's on. Uh, look, I saved it to a watch list. It's right. definitely free for Frank. Right. Yeah. Someone pointed out. I was, I was talking to someone the other day, and they pointed out to me that like, technically, it's not free because you're paying for all this shit. And I told them to. I told them to shut their fucking mouths. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to rent it. Like right. extra on top of what I'm already paying for all these streaming services. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, free somewhere is 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 a, is a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, are you texting somebody on the podcast? Me? Yeah. No, I'm just tapping the back of my phone. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I have it. I'm I'm laying on my couch. I have my phone turned to the side, so it's like I'm holding it like a microphone, basically, and then like uh-huh. I just have free hand like. Like that gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah. It was really coming through there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, that that tap. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell them what you're wearing right now? <laughs> Since you set the scene. <laughs> Basketball shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> My it's, just a joke. it's just a joke. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> right. I gotta get to work. <sighs> yes. Okay. All right. So thank you for listening, everybody. Next week we will be back with Wind Talkers, which is free streaming somewhere. Somewhere. Right. Somewhere. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night.